Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we welcome a special guest, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, bringing us today's topic on fires on the altar today we will they will take your calls and offer advice to address ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love money career and spiritual protection using traditional african-american folk magic practices of hoodoo conjurer root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time you can learn a lot just by listening but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the lucky mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Cat. Hi. Thanks for that nice introduction, as always. Um, we are having an interesting day here in Forestville. We've had light rain, which signals the beginning of the winter season. Um, it's not known to everybody who listens to this show, but California has basically two seasons, dry and wet. And this was our first really nice little rain. It's gone now, but it wetted everything, and it came down and went pitter-patter. So I think we're officially into early winter here at the shop. And um, the only other big news around here is our little bout of COVID that we all went through, not not all people got it, but the whole shop kind of got discombobulated as about half the people who work here got COVID and the other half did not. And that's over. We're all back to work. So things are looking good. We are hastily trying to download and fill orders, which, of course, we fell behind on. So all thanks particularly to Max, Bailey, um, and Percy who never got COVID and kept everything running. And um, Max and Bailey are sisters and the daughters of Leslie, our former shop manager. All I can say is she trained them well, and they are doing very, very well, um, trying to run the place with a skeleton crew. They just did great. So big shout-outs to them. Heidi is back on the job. Colleen is back on the job. Um, everyone is, you know, back. Eileen is back. And so um, things are getting back on track in the shop. So that's our news for today. And um, I guess in the one other thing that's going on around here is I have been, for the sixth or seventh time this year, organizing my books. <laughs> I always start it, but I don't always finish it. So book organization, take six. <laughs> and, uh, we <laughs> hope it will. <laughs> we hope this time we'll get somewhere. Um, 
what made me really think about it was we we do a Patreon um, stream. I do a Patreon stream with Nagashiva's help for my fabulous patrons. And about a year ago, I was doing a hypnotism bibliography, and I had gotten up to six parts of the hypnotism bibliography. And then I just sort of changed my emphasis to something else. And lo and behold, I found on my desk a whole stack of hypnotism books that I had not yet <laughs> uh, cataloged. <laughs> so looking at those, as to, uh, yesterday we released Hypnotism Bibliography Part 5 to the public, and I went, oh, hell, <laughs> what about Part 7 and maybe Part 8? So we'll see. I'm going to try to get to that. But this week's Patreon was uh, a little off the beaten track. It was about um, our Lady Maria Dolorosa. And, um, but about halfway through the article, it jumped into a whole other thing about who was the saddest Mary, who was the saddest Maria. And I think that um, the Virgin Mary um, is tied by a woman who commissioned the statue of Maria Dolorosa, which we all know on the chromo prints and holy cards of Maria Dolorosa. So just a little surprise there for my patrons. They will uh, kind of go, what was that about? And if, um, in a year, it will all be available to the public, and we can talk about the the two saddest Marias in history. So that's the news here from Lucky Mojo. What's up with you, Conjurman? Uh, things are going well. It's funny, you're organizing your books, and I'm organizing my opus. So I think we're both <laughs> the uh, organizing <laughs> spirit. I always do like a, a sort of fall cleaning around, uh, usually around September, and sometimes that bleeds over into October, depending on how much I have to move things around. It's like you know, around around uh, uh, September, and then, of course, during the vernal equinox, are the two times that I do, like, deep spiritual cleansing. But I always find myself, by about October, after the fall cleaning, reorganizing things so like I'm moving statues around like decorating the altars in a certain way after everything's been cleansing I'm, hmm, I'm not sure I really like the vigil candles over here maybe I'll move them over there so there's, so there's always like a like a second wind of moving things around that happens and that's what's happening for me I'm not organizing my books but I'm definitely organizing my my altars you know if I have got lucky mojo oils because I usually lay them out in the altars uh, as as uh, in the same way that some people use tarot cards. Like if I've got a love altar, my love oils will be out there. And so like I'm moving those around, I'm setting up where the candles are. So it's been a it's been an altar reorganizing period for me. Uh, and I just about have it to exactly what I'm looking for. Not quite yet, probably a couple more days, but it has been uh, all about that reorganization, which is important because how your altars look and feel matter for the type of magic that you do, for the type of client work that you do. So it's been it's been busy but uh, rewarding work. For you, I have a quick little announcement to make. I skimmed right past it. And that is that we have four lucky winners for our Facebook Fridays giveaway for October 20th, 2023. And each of them has won a packet of our new Court Case Herbs mixture. This is the same mixture we use on Court Case candles. 
and other candles having to do with legal cases when we dress them at our own altars. And the winners are Jared Dennison, Angela Evola, Elizabeth Autry, and Manda L. Pepper. So congratulations, folks. If you're one of the four winners this week, please respond to the message from the Lucky Mojo Facebook page. Send us your mailing address for shipping purposes. And thanks very much to everyone who participated. All right. Announcement accomplished. Um, Let's bring in our guest, um, Papa Newt. How are you doing today, Papa Newt? Oh, I'm doing quite all right. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Well, tell us what's happening in uh, your neck of the woods. Oh, my goodness. Um, I've just been uh, this month being October and for many places celebrating the spooky season is looking for readers. So I've been doing a lot of different events in person as well as reading at four different locations at different stores here in Omaha, as well as preparing for uh, teaching some classes here this week, which one is after getting close to 13 years of reading Bones, I'm finally going to talk about and teach a little class here uh, this coming week. Wow. How cool. And then uh, working with the dead. So just trying to get prepared. Oh, that's really great. Um, You know, you have become one of the best-known bone readers um, around the world at this point. You've been real good with it. You've been real um, faithful with it. The readings are stupendous. And um, I'm just uh, real impressed with your uh, bone reading skills. So that's really cool that you're going to be doing that. Well, today we have a very odd topic. It's a topic that has three parts. And I'm going to, as usual, introduce this and um the, the the tagline the cute idea is altars on fire but there's a lot more to this than just altars on fire <laughs> or fire on the altar which is a slightly different topic and so i'm going to talk about the origin of altars on fire but specifically as it relates to hoodoo. Now, um, Jews and Christians are not the only ones to fire on their altars, and similar practices and beliefs are found among Hindus, Zoroastrians, Taoists, and many, many, many others. But for our purposes, for understanding how fire gets on the altar in hoodoo, we understand hoodoo is a black Christian form of folk magic, which references um, both the Old Testament or Jewish Bible as a source of guidance and the New Testament. And in matters of prayer and reverence, it pays a great deal of attention to the Old Testament. So the keeping of candles on the altar, which is found in Protestant and and Catholic uh, and spiritualist Christian traditions, comes from the Bible. But in the Bible, it takes a very odd (laughs) turn. In the Bible, we have um, the book of Exodus, where God appears to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush. And this is in Exodus uh, 13, um, 21 to 
uh, 22 and so forth. This is um, when Moses sees this burning bush and recognizes it's God, this becomes an ongoing symbol of Jehovah. And later, when Moses leads the Israelites, the um, flame follows as a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of smoke by day. And eventually, the the Jews find a place to live, and they then start their own altar fire. And they have a you know a priestly um, a group, we'd almost call it a priestly caste. And these priests make sure that the um, fire is attended to. And in Leviticus, God directly tells them, um, the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering and so forth. And then in Leviticus 6, uh, 13, it's the fire shall ever be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And um, in Deuteronomy, it says God is a consuming fire. And then, if that's not enough, there's the whole story of um, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, in which there's My a... Favorite and my favorite prophet too. He's great. Elijah gets into a competition with <laughs> with the priests of Baal, and he says to them, "Okay, you make your altar and see if God will set it on fire." And this is in Kings um, chapter eighteen, and it starts around verse twenty-four and goes till around verse thirty-nine. And he says, "You know." God will come down and light your fire? Okay, then Baal's for real, but I don't think it'll happen. And he sets up his own altar, and they're going to have a meat offering on it that's going to be burned and consumed. And nothing happens. And then Elijah, they all jump around, and they they, 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 they pray, and they contort themselves, and nothing happens. And then Elijah has his people go out, and they pour water on his altar, and he mm-hmm. brings a trench around it, and the whole trench fills up with water, and he goes, okay looks bad for for our God, doesn't it? But here we go. How about it, God? Come on, baby, light my fire. And God, boom, strikes the altar and it sets up on fire. And that proves that God is a God of fire. God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of the Jews. Now, this God of the Jews later became the God of the Christians, the God of the Muslims, and so forth. Same God, but he's always represented as fire. And so what happens with this injunction to have a perpetual fire on the altar when religion, a home religion, and they don't have a priestly class who are there attending to this fire day and night, um, they can put fires on their altars that can get out of hand. But it also explains why we want oil lamps and and fires on our altars, why so many people believe candle magic is the highest form of hoodoo, because it really has that Old Testament ring to it. Mm -hmm. But without people to tend to the altars, we run into trouble. Now, I'm going to turn this over to you, Conjurman. I'd like you to speak to the history of fires on altars. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. In fact, there's some really fun history about fires on altars here that, that we can mention. Uh, as Kat pointed out, there's a really deep tradition in, in, in scriptures and in the Bible about God being associated with fire. And for historians, that tells us something. It tells us the, the ancient Israelite religion likely encountered uh, Zoroastrianism, which is probably the world's oldest fire religion in which God, Ahura Mazda, is the god of light and is represented by a sacred fire. And the sacred fire is maintained by the priestly class known as the Magi. Uh, and they, they're still around. Zoroastrianism is, is an ancient religion, but they're still around. There's not a law. I think there's like maybe 150,000 uh, Zoroastrians left in the world. There's actually one in Southern California for people who are interested in, in, in this. You can actually find a Zoroastrian temple in Southern California, and you can go and see the sacred fire. Uh, and this fire is a perpetual, eternal fire. And what that likely happened is that then influenced a lot of the ancient Near Eastern religions, not just uh, ancient Israelite religion, but other religions in this region where you'd have this sacred fire. When uh, Christianity emerged, Christianity emerged as a result of the Romanization of Jesus's message, right? So you have mm -hmm. Judaism, which is an ancient religion, and Christianity takes Judaism and it makes it more Roman <laughs> and by making mm -hmm. it more Roman what happens is the altar goes to the home because in Roman religion there are two aspects to the religion there's the cultus which is the religion you practice in public maintained by the priest and then there's the Lares, which is the home altar for your ancestors etc which generally had an oil lamp there would be an oil lamp in the Lairium which is the home altar where the Lares where the ancestors were, where the household gods were. The oil lamp then becomes that fire that was originally maintained by the priest in the temple. So this is how the temple moves home and why we now have, quote-unquote, home altars. And that's what influences hoodoo. Uh, we grew, um, where I grew up in Virginia, almost every single altar had some type of oil lamp. And this was just called the holy lamp. And in many ways, if you ask them, like if you, I remember asking Mama Jay, the person who jumped in, like, why do you have an oil lamp? And she goes, well, that's what the, that's what the ancient Hebrews had. This is the fire of God. It's supposed to represent. It's like, even though she may not have been aware of this complicated history about Zoroastrianism and Romanization, all, all that stuff, there was very clearly an understanding that the fire was meant to represent God and God's influence. So that long history is still alive today. Hoodoo practitioners still have oil lamps. And it's common to put this oil lamp generally at the back of the altar and then light all other candles from that fire. So you maintain that oil lamp, which is easier to manage the fire. And then when you do your candle magic, whether you're drawing for money or you're drawing for um wealth or you're doing love magic whatever you do you actually light the candle from you take a you take a, a stick or a match and you put it into the fire of the lamp light it and then use that to light your candles in this way you can keep a perpetual fire going now not everyone can manage oil lamps so another common practice which you can find in Henri Gamache's book again going back to ancient Israelite religion and the idea of some type of fire is you'll have a sort of main vigil candle generally in the back that will support the candle work that you're doing and you light from this. The most common manifestation of this is the moving candle spell. If you go and look at the air page and you look at moving candle spells, you'll generally find 
for example, two figured candles, but behind the figured candle will either be an oil lamp or a vigil lamp, so that once you snuff out the candles you're working with, there's still that vigil in the background that keeps things going. So it may not be an eternal light, but it's a light that goes on even after the other candles have been snuffed out. So there's a variety of ways in which the eternal flame manifests on an altar work. This is, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. These master candles are also shown in um, in the, the Guiding Light to Power and Success by Mikhail Strabo. Yes. And there actually um, was a, a company called Eternal Lux, meaning eternal light. And mm. they were a maker of glass encased candles. And so the glass encased candles became... Uh, the yeah. eternal light, and um, but they have some problems temporary uh, because <laughs> temporary eternal light, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so I want to th- thank you very much for that. We're going to go through everybody's experience here. Um, I wanted to see that we talk about is um, mishaps that occur, yes. both humorous and not so humorous, pretty tragic yeah. sometimes, with people's attempts to keep eternal flames. So um, I know that Papa Newt and Reverend James both have stories. I'm just going to kick this off with one I've told before, so I'm going to just briefly touch on it. The the time when I did a fiery wall of protection spell and caught the curtains on fire and almost burned down Lucky Mojo, um, it was um, cotton lace curtains and it was open freestanding candles. My mistake, uh, the wind blew the curtains toward the flame and it just about took us out. I, I, I mean, I managed to run in and pull down the curtains and, and stuff and I put a big scorch mark on my altar. And I've talked about that experience before, but that was my big wake-up call. Um, later, the Lucky um, Mojo altar almost... Um, caught the ceiling on fire when a candle, a cut and clear candle uh, took off and just burned this pillar of flame um, because it turned out that the client didn't want it. They wanted it to be put out and they forgot to tell us. <laughs> that was pretty bad. And then the third thing that happened to us was Missionary Independent Spiritual Church burned um, down because the companies that made the glass candles changed their formula for the glass. They got it from a different nation, actually. And the glass was starting to shatter. It was, um, it just was a different formula of silica glass. And we had had several candles explode, and one of them exploded and flew right by my face as I was reading oh, wow. tarot cards in the church. And I thought, we've got to do something about these candles. This is really bad. And the next uh, that night, actually, within a few hours, the whole church was on fire and, and burned. So that was because the glass that held the glass candles was not correct. And other people reported similar things around the same time. So those are my experiences with altars on fire. Um, it, we also had one that I'm just going to mention quickly, was a woman who was a student in my course who for reasons unknown, caught her wooden altar on fire. And that's going to bring us to the topic of fire safety. She caught mm-hmm. her wooden altar on fire. She just had a candle that she just sort of stuck, laid, just stuck it onto her wooden altar when it burned down. The wick was still there and set her altar on fire. And we got up a little 
a care package for her and everybody who was a student sent her replacements. All her altar had cupboards underneath it, and all her herbs burned, and you know everything was pretty much ruined. Her oils and things, and uh, but luckily she didn't die. Her house didn't burn down. So those are some of my stories. I'm going to pass this on to Papa Newt. Tell us what you know about altars on fire. <laughs> oh gosh, um, I'm just sitting here thinking of, of different different experiences, and luckily I I have not had any uh, serious matters or any major fires. Knock on wood, mm. of course. Um, but I've I've done some works for for people. Like one of them was um, a person who who their their son was in the wrong, and they harassed uh, the the the. the girl that they were dating and they went to court and all this stuff and you know everything was settled and and then my client started to receive messages from the mother saying that they were going to pursue even further and all this stuff and they were going and they were a reader and they were getting ready for a client and they're like I, you know I, I don't care what you do just 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 take care of this for me and this is where why I'm very cautious with the work I do that gets a little bit um heavy-handed uh this was i was given the photo of the uh, lawyer and the and the mother i put down different powders and down on it i slammed a brick and luckily i was working on a concrete floor um and i uh got a little black candle going that was anointed with all types of oils and then i got this mixture of of um, one of the one of the uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of one of the colognes that I had pre-made with certain herbs and whatnot that I just splashed a little bit and the whole thing caught on fire. <laughs> of course, it's, a, it's an accelerant. Right, right. I'll tell you what. They they while they were in that reading, they were receiving messages from from that mother that previously said, "Oh, we're going to sue. We're going to pursue further." It's like, nope, never mind, never. Mind. <laughs> Um, that was one. Oh yeah, I did beat them with a licorice stick. That was that was fun. Um, <laughs> but the, and another one was a blockbuster working. Um, uh, and this is where I, I've been blessed to have concrete floors where I was working, um, where I would have uh, a, where I knew it would be a little bit serious because I was doing a blockbuster candle, um, working a red candle, had it anointed, and even was like, you know what, we're going to roll it in some of the Blockbuster incense powder, which does have saltpeter, because it was a situation that just needed that extra oomph. And of course, this is one of those things of which we'll get into safety matters to keep in mind and understand your products. Um, self-igniting uh, incense has has a little bit of saltpeter. That's what keeps it, uh, mm-hmm. self, you know, it keeps it going. And of course, you put that on a candle, a flame gets down to it, and even though some of it, some of that powder is going to get into the wax and and will will be nullified to a certain point, but there's some that are going to hit that heat and spark up and. That was fast, and I think that was a mm-hmm. six-inch or, or a jumbo candle that I was using that just went fast. Mm. Um, and you have to be mindful of these things. Yeah. Um, uh, Reverend James also has a story to tell, but before we get to that, I want to just say the things that people add to candles that can yes. most likely act as mm-hmm. accelerants, saltpeter, sulfur, Orange oil, mm-hmm. uncut orange oil, 
um, lemon okay. oil, yeah. bergamot oil. Those are all really accelerants. And, exactly. um, and of course, alcohol-based perfumes. Yeah, yeah, so okay. just be careful of those things. Okay, so uh, Reverend James, tell us your story. So, yeah, um, actually I have two, and they're rather quick. Um, but the first one is I was working uh, for a man that um, had some mental instability. He was aware of it. He was getting, uh, you know, uh, you know, therapy for it. And um, <clears throat> he came to me to see if there was some head work that I could do for him to help, you know, release some of these negative emotions and to, you know, start thinking a little bit more clearly. So I uh, lit a uh, skull candle and uh, prayed over it with various herbs and cleansing things and clarity oils and such. And um, my husband, my partner, uh, Reverend Art, was downstairs, and um, I was upstairs, and downstairs was where we had the, the altar and where it was burning. And the next thing I know, he's screaming that the, <laughs> that the altar is on fire, <laughs> and then suddenly the smoke alarm starts going off. So I run downstairs, almost break my ankle, and once I get down there, um, the, the flames were just three, four feet high, almost hitting the bottom of the, the, the floor from the upstairs. Um, so I run back upstairs to grab a bunch of um, baking soda to quell this because I knew water wasn't going to do it. <laughs> um, so I threw all of that on there, and then it just let up this huge smoke, but it put it out. Everything was fine except for the table that it was on. It got pretty scorched. Um, <laughs> the second one is um, more recent, um, and this is the only other time I've had something like this happen, is um, there was a lady that came to me for um, a fiery wall of protection spell on uh, a lover. And we set everything up, and I personally like to use um, seven angels um, around the, as the candle, um, as, the, as the guardians, um, the protectors. And um, they're resin. So as this was burning, um, got about three-quarters of the way through, and again, I'm upstairs, Art's downstairs, and he screams up, your altar's on fire. <laughs> so again, I run downstairs. And um, I run over to the altar, and it's it's not that bad this time, not three, four feet high, um, but it's just a little bitty fire on the edge of a wing of one of my resin statues. Um, and it turned out that that one was related to um, God's love and things like that, and I kind of took that as a, you know, maybe this isn't the person you should be worrying about. Maybe you don't need to, you know, <laughs> stick your nose in this area. <laughs> that's, that's interesting because in those fiery walls, bells you have a lot of flames on your altar obviously there's going to be a bunch mm -hmm. of them but you had those uh, those resin statues um that's a new one on me having a resin statue catch on fire wow that mm -hmm. must have been scary as hell <laughs> mm -hmm. it was it was and i was rather upset but luckily i have two sets so it's okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um wow so um uh, you know, th these types of things, we can joke about them. Um, and, but at the time, they're know, not always as funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're scary. And, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a lot of difficulties in talking about people actually um, being um, 
killed in these ways. Certainly, um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start with one story that I know um, happened here locally. It was in our local newspaper. Um, I didn't know the person, but I have a feeling they might have been actually a walk-in customer at our shop. A woman who was living in an apartment complex uh, set the entire apartment complex on fire. Um, the paper showed her bedroom window with big smoke, you know, damage all around on the stucco. And, um, you know, they were able to put it out, but they had to evacuate the whole building. Nobody was killed. And um, and it was determined that she was burning religious candles. And um, I don't, I think she may have been a customer. I mean, her name was not in my database, but not every walk-in customer is. But they showed her picture, and I'm like, I think I know this lady. So um, this all happened during that same period where we were getting these exploding candles. And so, again, we were in the midst of this weird epidemic of exploding candles. And other people were telling me about them, too, Deacon Millet and, and others. Not every candle would mm. explode, but but to have any exploding mm-hmm. candles is, like, you know, unacceptable. So yeah, that, right. that, that woman got off easy. Um, they made fun of her in social media for, oh, yeah, you're burning candles and you burnt your apartment down, you know. But um, – but it was a, a sign, again, that you cannot yeah. leave candles unattended, yeah. even if they are glass candles. You should have a smoke yeah. detector. You mm-hmm. should have a um, some, you know, there's some powder, like baking powder, sand. Mm-hmm. There are also these um, blankets that are like, I don't know, kind of mm-hmm. asbestos-y blankets. I don't know. what You can buy them online that you can throw over grease fires. Because remember, a, a candle mm-hmm. is essentially petroleum uh, uh, paraffin is petroleum and so as it melts it really does turn into a grease fire and will spread all over the altar yes. and especially yes. if a glass candle breaks you're ending up with something that covers a lot of surface having one of those small kid fire extinguishers that's a brand name for Balkan diviner who's listening for Romania and doesn't know what I'm talking about KIDD they're little red fire extinguishers that are very cheap they are not you can get the unrefillable kind they just can be used mm-hmm. once and you can get them at any hardware store and you can of course get the big ones that can be refilled and all of that but kid um, small fire extinguishers are absolutely essential to have uh, around and uh, well, there we go. That's some of yeah. the things. Now, um, uh, let's go into some of the, yeah, some of the meanings I, of this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to mention that that in of itself is is a meaning. Um, you know, when when altars catch fire, they ha- they are symbols. They're signs. It's magical, right? These are these are not mm-hmm. just magical too. These are sacred fires, right? Uh, and when when you don't practice fire safety, as Ms. Katz talking about, and and there's a variety of different techniques of fire safety that people use, from using putting your candles in sand, putting them in bathtubs, all sorts of techniques for for fire safety. In addition to having you know the ability to put the fire out, but taking precautionary measures. If you don't do that, that in of itself is a sign of you being careless. If if right, right? and some. Sometimes it's not you being careless. There's, you've taken every measure. The glass candle just explodes, right? <laughs> so the reality is that what you're doing is trying to minimize 
the potential for damage here. And even then, there's always going to be potential. The reality is you're playing with fire, and fire can warm us, it can drive away the darkness, or it can burn your house down. And that's the reality of working with fire. It's always a risk, it's always a danger, it's always there, but the a person who is precautious, the person who takes measures, the person who, who is prepared will minimize those. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, like, you know, you've done everything and it still explodes. It's all your fault. No, 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 no. But if you are careless, if you, for example, leave a standing candle, uh, you know, out, a six-inch candle, and then you walk away for hours and it tips over and it lights your altar on fire, that's a sign. Your carelessness has introduced something there. In other instances, the fire can be observed. So I've had two experiences with fires. Like like uh, pa- uh, Papa Nuto, I haven't had any uh, major ones. Uh, nothing really is burned down. But I did two workings that, that really stood out where there's something caught fire. And they were very different. One was a honey jar spell. This was a honey jar spell that I had been doing to really get uh, these two people back together. And, and it was part of a broader working that involved moving candles and the honey jar was in the back uh, that I'd been burning candles on. And from the flame of the honey jar's candle, I would light the figure candles and then move them and so forth. But over the time, the honey jar had built a lot of wax on it. And eventually, the, uh, one, one of the candle burned through and melted all the wax off of the top of that. And that was a good sign. And we saw that manifest in the relationship. There was a breakthrough. Communication was restored. The two were talking again. In other words, the burning away of the wax was positive. But then as we kept burning candles, we, we repeated the spell, the wax built up again. The next time it burnt down, it lit the entire honey jar on fire. So, and it was controlled enough that I didn't need to put it out, but it was literally on fire. I was watching as the fire consumed the honey jar, but had placed the honey jar on a heat-proof pan. So the fire was contained within it. And you could almost see the, the honey start to like bubble, not fully bubble, but you could see that it was warming up. And that was a sign that maybe this relationship was a little too hot. There was a lot of things going, and it turned out that the relationship was actually quite toxic. So the, yeah, there was a breakthrough, communication happened, they got back together, but the honey jar being set on fire was not a good sign. And it became right. an omen of what was to come. And in that instance, the two did have a very fiery breakup later on. The other time that I had a fire was uh, an inflammatory confusion skull candle. As anyone who's listened to the radio show or has attended the Hoodoo mm-hmm. Heritage Festival knows, I am a fan of skull candles. In this instance, the skull candle had been ringed with sachet powders of inflammatory confusion. And again, it was placed in a sort of heat-proof area. Uh, and the, as the candle burns down, and, fire, and skull candles burn with a lot, a lot of wax. So there's always some paraffin left over that can, that, can, that can spark, that can splatter, that can really kind of be a pain in the ass. And so you have to maintain it. You have to really watch it and work it. Uh, in this instance, despite me watching and working it, at the last minute, it actually caught the sachet fires and the uh, herbs that had been sprinkled around it in a ring caught fire. And so the entire pan, the sort of cookie sheet that was on, and then there was sand underneath so it was like it, it wouldn't burn the table, it caught fire. It was a big fire and the paraffin was sort of 
splattering. When it finally went out, there was wax all over my wall. It was never big enough to, to burn the, the actual altars themselves or the, or the wall, but it was enough that it caught the actual plate on fire. And in that instant, that person had a complete and total mental breakdown, just complete mm. public meltdown. So you can see how fires themselves can be omens of things to come. They can also manifest as resistance. If you're burning a candle of influence and it burns your altar down, that person is protected. That person is fighting back. If you're doing a love spell on someone, you're like, come to me, love me, and your entire altar is set ablaze, that person is fighting and fussing with you at the spiritual level and resisting. So fires are meaningful. Yeah, those are good. I'm going to uh, bring in some things that Dr. Sweets mentioned. Um, in the, and I want to thank you, Dr. Sweets. Um, Dr. Sweets says you can burn candles in a fireplace if you have one. You're mm-hmm. limited by space, but it's a fire-rated box with a chimney. Very good idea. I've done that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can yeah. use an iron bath bathtub. These are cast iron bathtubs. Don't use a yeah. fiberglass bathtub that you think mm-hmm. is cast iron. Knock on it, and if it is cast iron, you'll know. Um, so that's really important. And another one that I'd like to say is no honey jars with plastic lids. The yes. plastic lids will melt and catch fire, and that's burning plastic, which is really toxic. And um, so that's a really, really bad one. Um, and then we also have the um, the idea of um, the fireproof container. So one of the things that a lot of people used to tell me was so perfect, and that's what I should do back in my younger days. This goes back to the 60s and 70s. People would say, put your candle, this would be a glass candle when they were just coming into popularity, put your glass candle in a stainless steel mixing bowl and have uh, two inches of water in the bottom. And then if it breaks, it'll just go into the water. That's not right. And I knew it wasn't right because I knew already how to cut a bottle by wrapping um, kerosene-soaked string around it and plunging it and setting on fire and plunging it into water. The shock of the water being cold sets the, the, uh, the glass to crack right along the line. And so the water line will be where the it'll when the candle burns down to the water line that shock of that cold water will just cause it to break right then so you're setting yourself up for failure and possible disaster if you put a glass encased candle in a bowl full of water you should use something that will absorb heat and the two best things are sand and i find aquarium sand or salt and in the spiritualist churches in my young days, they used um, sheet cake pans. These are like a, they're large, but they're for making a sheet cake, but they have a side on them. And that was filled with salt. And um, you would then take your little vigil candles or your little altar lights, little four-inch candles or whatever, and plunge them down into the salt. And that works just fine. However, I knew somebody who said, I tried what you said, but I couldn't remember if it was sugar or salt. And all the sugar melted and it was stinky. Right. It wasn't supposed to be sugar. It was supposed to be salt. Two white things, not the same. So if you got completely confused, just use aquarium sand. (laughs) 
And those are heat proof. And you can also, in my opinion, it's very good idea to keep whatever heat proof thing you have with a little air under it, not touching the altar. So don't just put a pan of sand or anything directly on an altar unless you have very thick sand in the pan. Or you can take three pebbles and put them underneath the, the pan. And the reason I say three, and this is so important for people who are not into physics or topography, any three things will make a flat plane between them. Any four things may not, which is why chairs and tables are sometimes wobbly. And so you just need three pebbles. And even if it's at a slight slant, it'll be a flat plane and it'll be secure and solid. Just saying, that's basic physics. So um, those little pebbles are really easy to use and you can get pebbles at the river, at the beach, at Michael's Crafts. It's just pebbles, three pebbles. Okay. Okay, who's next? Speak up. Well, um, you know, those are great things to have. Um, the keeping in mind, you know, uh, gosh, even just taking into consideration not only the you know the physical knowledge of fire itself but even the the spiritual knowledge of, of fire itself and understanding the the basic nature just having some of those and common sense is is very helpful when we are working with candles or we're working with forms of fire for various work um i i do like uh working with cast irons i'm right now i'm blessed to have a fireplace that i could like handles um but it's uh, but it's only for local clients just because I can't open it up to, to the wide world. I don't have that much space to do this safely. Um, but just keeping these things in mind, um, oh, gosh, there is also, um, oh, my goodness, I am losing my train of thought. That'll come back to me. James, what do you have? <laughs> Um, well, the only other thing that I've had really happen with uh, fires on the altar is um, I posted it in the chat a little earlier, but um, the glass encased candles, you know, um, we, we haven't really had any explode, very luckily, um, but we have had many that got very hot near the edge of the glass because the wick may not have been placed properly mm-hmm. or the wick had fallen. And it gets so close to the glass, it heats up and then it cracks. Um, sometimes the little bits of glass will fall off, and then the problem with that is that then the wax falls out, or runs out rather, which then exposes more wicks, which makes the the fire even taller and hotter, and then it starts to burn really, really fast. Um, and that can sometimes cause a little bit of problems too, especially if you got something just above it or you know not quite far enough away. So. Um, Usually, if we're burning those in the house, uh, we usually put them in our very heavy-duty metal sink. Um, but most of the time, mm. all of our glass-encased candles and things like that that burn for a long time, we have a little space outside that um, is a stone table that has chicken wire around the edge to keep them just in case they fall uh, or you know blow over. They don't fall off and roll away. Um, mm. And we have... Um, little stones underneath the table, which is then surrounded by gravel. (laughs) Mm. So we try to do our best to make sure that we, you know, can, you know, be ready for anything. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. There's a this thing about the the larger metal container, such as the um, stainless steel um, sink or tub or things like that, is really goes back a long way. There was a woman interviewed by Harry Hyatt, the folklorist, and she described um, using a, a wash tub, and by this she meant a galvanized steel wash tub. And she even explained to him, you know, candles can catch on fire. They could tip over and catch on fire. And um, these would have been freestanding candles, the way she described it. So probably uh, four-inch or six-inch candles. And um, so this is not something new that we've just come up with. Um, It it was um, important to her to do that. And she mentioned she also was doing like moving candle spells and stuff. So she used a wash tub because it had a a large um, surface area at the bottom. And she said, you you can't, you have to keep it hidden. Of course, she had to do it in her bedroom because she didn't want people walking into her living room and see she had this wash tub full of candles, right? So it was very interesting reading her account um, of the galvanized uh, wash tub. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the... the the realities of living in in an urban environment, in an apartment, or or in in a small house, means that you have to get sometimes creative with fire safety and burning candles. Not everyone has uh, a separate uh, altar space, altar room. Not everyone has the ability to burn candles outside. So there's a variety of different ways that um, you have to get creative. One technique that, that people have used if you have access to a backyard is to actually create uh, a metal candle container. And people have done these. These are almost like, uh, like little houses that are made out of metal that allow you to burn your candles in them without it burning down. You don't want to use wood because then it'll burn down. Um, but they're, they're small little uh, metal encasings, if you will. Uh, some you can have it custom made if you know anyone who does metal work. I know people that have done this, and it's really, really pretty simple to make. They're pretty affordable also to have made. It doesn't cost a lot. But they, they basically look like little large birdhouses that uh, can be shut. So you put your candles inside, you open up, you place them in it, and uh, allow you burn your candles there. Other people use their barbecue grill. So this is pretty mm-hmm. easy. You take out the, the actual grills that you want to, of course, make sure that it's not connected to propane or anything like that. You're just mm-hmm. using the grill itself, the sort of container, and you burn your candles on there. It also makes it easy that if, should anything happen, you can just shut top of the grill on top of that. So using barbecue grills, using um, uh, metal contain- homemade or custom-made metal containers are all ways that you can burn safely candles, vigil candles, etc. in, say, a small house setting or an apartment setting. That's a that's a really good one. The um the um barbecue grill with a domed lid that you can just put yep. right back onto it. When I was young a lot of people had brick uh, backyard barbecues and they would yeah. have a chimney usually. And you could go out to the state parks and in those days there would be you'd you know, you'd pay a dollar for a campsite and there would be a mm-hmm. little barbecue grill there and you could, you know, barbecue and many was the time I went out to the local 
uh, a state park around here and burned candles in their the barbecue grill. They took them all out, of course, after the threat of wildfires and and vandalism and one thing or another, and they wanted to cut the number of park rangers they had and so forth. So that whole community of people who were what we call day campers or weekend campers mm-hmm. who lived nearby, that whole community is now gone. But those, if you happen to live in a house that still has one of those barbecues, um, brick barbecues outside, they're very useful. Of course, in some areas, they now are forbidding their use at all. Mm-hmm. So there's a there are many kinds of um, ways to work. I mentioned cast iron bathtubs uh, before Dr. Sweets had had brought that up, and I went in to make sure it's cast iron. I like cast iron cookware, and this would not be the enamel covered kind, not Le Creuset brand or those kind, but um, would be re- regular like. Um, Lodge or Warner or one of those older brands of American cast iron mm-hmm. that um, they made frying pans, they made um, saucepans, and they made um, what were called Dutch ovens. And the Dutch oven is either flat on the bottom, which is a later form that was used on gas stoves and has a cast iron lid. Older form of Dutch iron has three little legs. And again, why three legs? So it won't wobble. <laughs> and um, those were made to be either um, uh, mm. hung in a fireplace or put in a campfire. And those Dutch ovens, you can still find them. They still make them. I have some antique ones, but only because I'm an antique person myself, I think. But you can buy them brand new. You can find them used on eBay. And they come in different sizes. Some people call them cauldrons. But they aren't exactly cauldrons. They're Dutch ovens. Sometimes they were called spiders because of the little feet. Not mm. the spiders have three feet, but that's what they call them. And then there are actual cauldrons. And cauldrons are much bigger. They're rounder, and they are mm-hmm. used usually for rendering fat to make soap or something like that. But you can find many cauldrons that are used by yes, people yes. of the Wiccan religion because it has a religious significance to them. And these little mini cauldrons come out of China. They're quite inexpensive. And we carry them at our shop. And probably, Papa Newt, do you carry mini cauldrons at your shop too? Oh, oh yeah, we do. Oh, of course. Yeah. And they're not, they're not expensive. Yeah, they're not expensive. <laughs> they're really nice. What you do with those mini cauldrons, they, some people, a lot of Wiccans think they're just for burning incense in. No, 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 no. You get yourself one of those little um, star candle holders. They're made of steel mm-hmm. that's been lightly brass coated. So they look like brass, but they're really steel. And these star candle holders have like seven points on them, and they have little um, arms that reach up, and you kind of crush the arms together and jam the candle in. Those will fit in a mini cauldron. Now, those cauldrons are heavy enough, they will not fall over. (laughs) And if you get the kind with the three little legs, you're, you're ready to go. You're good to go. The candle, you just push the handle to one side. They have a little bale handle. And you put the candle in there, burn it. It'll burn right down into that cauldron in that Mm -hmm. star holder. And it won't fall over because the star holder will hold it. So that's another way to work that's fire safe. Now, that will not protect you from blowing curtains. No. And I want to I want to uh, just briefly mention and not dwell on it too badly a student of mine um uh who 
had started her own candle service ministry in her house, um, had um, a, a bunch of candles burning in her living room, and she had no smoke alarm, lived in a two-story house with her husband and her two children. One child slept in upstairs bedroom. The other slept in a little kind of small bedroom back of the kitchen. And um, the she went upstairs, went to bed. They all went to bed. She left these glass candles burning by the curtains. And either mm. the glass exploded or the curtains blew in. We don't know um, which happened, but they know the fire started in the altar. The whole house burned down. She, her husband, and one child were killed, the ones that were in the upstairs. The child that was in the downstairs ran out the back door and survived and it was horrific and this was a woman who was had a spiritual candle burning service Mm -hmm. she was in the um, Palo uh, you know Afro-Caribbean tradition it was said by many oh she must have been doing curses and someone was protected and it came back on her but no one really knows for sure and it's always so easy to kind of second guess what happened but I do think she didn't take candle safety very seriously to leave those unattended candles in her living room so just be be aware that this can happen her name was Yasmina Radisavich um, I, I have one of those cauldrons that you mentioned earlier that was an incredibly tragic story but I have one of those uh, cauldrons you mentioned earlier they're really fantastic they're, they're great for fire safety if you were burning freestanding candles also one technique that I've used and it's really pretty useful is to take a large cookie sheet that has like the, the four sides that are raised fill that with sand and then burn your candles in the in the star candle holders on the sand there so that any wax that drips will drip into the sand the fire will burn and you want to use sand that 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 uh, you can you can gra- get sand anywhere from Home Depot from animals and wine mm-hmm. uh, pet stores etc that are really good for for this for these matters and are great it'll keep the fire it'll snuff mm-hmm. it out when it goes down and you can burn a few candles on there that, those cookie sheets work wonders uh, make sure that you, of course you still that's still an open flame keep it away from walls keep it away from papers keep it away from curtains as Miss Cat mentioned but that's another way of working you just create a sort of set sand container and then put your uh, star candle holders with their candles in there. Exactly. And we're getting close to the end of our segment. And I just want to say, invite people to explore the concept of modern use of electric candles and um, even check out Miss Michael's newest book, Sneaky Tricks, uh, that utilizes some of those in some of those techniques. But Absolutely. That is a really good thing. LED candles. Miss Michael in the book Sneaky Tricks describes how to use electric and LED candles for safety. And you you can dress them with oil and they are highly effective. Thank you, Miss Michael, for that. And thank you, Papa Newt, for mentioning it. All right. Um, We turn this over to James. Thank you, Ms. Kat. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic contra practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit Hoodoo Psychics. 
and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now, normally we'd be going to the phones tonight, but we are going to the chat. Um, our client is rpatty35 in the chat, and her name is Patty. She is writing in from Texas, and she has been to a reader about this situation about four weeks ago. It was not an air member, and she writes, I ordered a breakup spell on a target. I want to know how it is working. Can this couple be separated? Will they live happily? The order was not made from an air member or Lucky Mojo, as um, she did not know them at the time. And the targets are, uh, the male is a Virgo, the woman is a Sagittarius, and Patty is a Virgo as well. All right. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to um, have Conjurman do the first reading. And then we're going to have Papa Newt do the second reading, and I'm going to come back with some root work uh, suggestions based on what the readings tell us. So take it away, Conjurman. Sure, happy to. Can I get the uh, uh, astrological signs once more? It cut out for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, the targets a, are male. A... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. Um, the male is a Virgo. The woman is a Sagittarius, and the um, person calling in is a Virgo. Okay. All right. So that's a that's a lot of mutable. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, amongst everyone there. Uh, the Virgo is probably the, a little bit tricky. Uh, Virgos are the most stable of of the mutable signs. They're earthy, so that they might be the person hardest to influence in this matter, but we'll take a look and see what the breakup's looking like, what the potential for this is, how things are going to go, uh, what you can expect. So the first card that we have here is the Ace of Swords. The Ace of Swords shows us a the hand of God reaching out over the cloud with a sword. That sword is crowned with laurels and olive branches. Uh, the sword, if you look closely, actually has two shades to it, indicating that this is a matter that can cut both ways. But because the sword is upright, it does indicate that the work that was done is strong work, particularly if the work involved in air, if it involves any type of air. This does seem to be long-distance work of some sort, the work that is sent from afar, um, but there, the, the work has solid foundations. So this is a good indication, indicating that you are empowered to change your circumstances, empowered to change the future, empowered to change what is happening. That the magic, the prayers, and the, the work that has been laid out comes from a place of strength and power. The next card shows us the Eight of Swords. So now we have two swords cards here. That is generally when asking about a breakup, good omens, but it does mean that things are about to get tricky. The Eight of Swords shows us a woman that is bound, tied, and blindfolded, surrounded by eight swords, indicating a precarious situation in which whichever direction the person turns, there will be harm. Uh, you may not see immediate results right away. It may not be apparent to you right away, but things are happening, and there seems to be a tension that will be introduced, harm that is introduced, feistiness that is introduced, discord that is introduced, but that it may not fully manifest as a breakup right away because the people involved 
may not be aware of all the options that are available to them. They may not be cognizant of the options. They may feel that whichever option they take, that it will come with difficulty and pain. They feel like they're unable to act. So there is an indication that the emotional level, whatever work that you've done, breakup work, et cetera, whatever work that you've had done, is having an effect, that it is introducing hostility, that it is introducing discord, that there is some tension there. But that the, at the emotional level, while things are working, it may not fully manifest physically in the movement that you want. Like, all right, we're going to break up tomorrow. Because the people who are feeling the effect are unsure what their options are and feel like whichever direction that they turn, it may come with some pain and with some difficulty. The final card that we have is the Knight of Swords, and the Knight of Swords shows us the outcome or the future. This shows individual that is rushing headlong first. They've got uh, their sword raised, this knightly figure. They've got a grimace and on their face, and they're ready to charge forth into battle. Again, all three sword cards indicating tensions and hostility and difficulty and discord. The Knight of Swords does indicate that there will be a break. What you're likely going to see is very little movement and, and, and manifestation of the results for a period of time. There's going to be a sort of silence, a quiet before the storm, so to speak. And during this quiet, during this uh, this quiet period, you'll see things will sort of bubble. They'll simmer away. And you may not be aware of it because you don't have direct access or you're not paying attention or maybe you just don't see it and they're able to hide it. But things are going to simmer. They'll simmer and simmer and simmer and simmer until suddenly there's going to be a bursting forth. And so what will happen is that it will seem almost overnight everything will manifest. You're going to see a period of quiet while the work sort of works behind the scene, influences, gets things set, primes the discord, and then suddenly the dam will burst and there'll be this sudden change and it will manifest in the way that you want. There is a warning in this card, though. You may get what you want. You may succeed in the magical work that you do, but that doesn't mean you will come out of this fully unscathed yourself. The Knight of Swords is a person who rushes recklessly, who rushes headlong, and they may not be aware of the consequences that are also present for them. So be mindful that none of this spills over into your life, none of this spills over into your world. Make sure to stay spiritually cleansed. Make sure to cleanse your hands of this. Make sure to walk away once you get what your result is. And be mindful and be very careful that you don't bring some of that harm into your world and your life. With that, I'm going to turn it over to our next reader, Papa G, and then Miss Kat's going to give you some, I mean, some Papa Newt, I'm so sorry. And then we're going to have Miss Kat give you some good work recommendations. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to read for you. It does look like, and I'm reading with my Tarot de Marseille, the very first card that I put down is the Nine of Swords. The thing is showing that the intention is building up. There's the Eight Swords interlocked. There's this, this Ninth Sword that is is breaking through all this tension that they're or breaking through that interlocking like these are going to soon divide things are going to be coming to a completion um of of uh 
of breaking up. Um, and that really does follow up with, with the tower card that does follow here, showing the two people that are falling out of the tower. Um, there is a lot of destruction around this. There's a lot of uh, pain and remorse that's come around here. Uh, and this is where I, I do feel like with, with Contraband, Lee was talking about how, um, you know, how it may not be as you would want it. Um, I mean, if you're interested in going with this person, there may be some some um, residual pain uh, from the the experience, some of the uh, the spiritual influence upon the situation that is still on them. Because I do have the five of swords, and this is another one, but a less intense as the nine uh, where it is four swords are interlocked but there is another sword that is right through uh, there is this bit of guardedness um, I would be very careful after proceeding um, I, I, I'm just a little bit worried I mean things are working and that's 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 great um, but sometimes things can start to unfold in ways that we may not want it to go or the ideal route if we are looking to get in with this person or just, yeah, but I got there. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to do some root work based on this. One of the first things I noticed is we got a lot of swords cards. These were two different forms of Tarot. One was the Rider Waite Smith and the other was the Tarot de Marseille. And they do read a little differently, but they both had some some problems. So I'm going to just start by saying that Ace of Swords, which can cut both ways, shows a victory but over rocky territory. The, the the victory may not be worth it, the land that is fought for. If you want this person to break up with another person so that you can have them, that may not come to pass. You may break them up, but it may not come to pass. The, um, the woman tied and bound and blindfolded says to me that um, you may not see this very clearly, but it also tells me that there may be something else to do here and that other than um, cursing. And that might be some doll work because the woman tied and bound always reminds me of a doll baby. And then we have the, um, the Knight of Swords, which says that you may be careless in what you ask for. And Newt got the Eight of Swords, or excuse me, the Nine of Swords, the Tower, and... Um, the five of swords. I'm just going to say this work may work, but it will not work to your benefit. So I would like to not to chastise you or to criticize you for making this choice to break them up. But I would, if I, if it were me and I had all of those cards against me, I would do something to relax my mind pull back from this kind of work. I would say a prayer, leave it in God's hands. I say prayer because swords are air and air is prayer. To leave it in God's hands and to take um, a bath with some clarity oil or clarity bath crystals because of the blindfolded um, woman. That's a significator that there is some lack of clarity, lack of insight. 
And I would do a clarity bath and ask for a road opening. I used some, maybe some road opener along with the clarity in the bath and ask for a road opening to open your way to something new and different. Close the path. So rather than say, let's you know, get get this person to be with you. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that you need to just consider, let it be. They will have difficulty. The tower says they're not going to stay together for the rest of their lives by any means. It's people jumping out of a burning tower. It's not, not a good card at all. But I'd like to see some card that shows you in a good place, and I don't see one. That's the problem. Um, don't let your desire for um, revenge or your feeling that you can take the place of God's judgment uh, lead you down a path that will lead to um, obsession. So cleanse with clarity and road opener and um, bathe. Clean your house maybe with some Chinese wash, just very simple things like that. And then I want you just to take a moment and think, what makes me happy? What do I want to be happy? And not counting them or their lives, just what you want. Write down a plan for your happiness and then call back when you've done that. Call us back and say, I would like to know what kind of a good things coming my way. Now, you might already know. You might want love. Then you can add a love bath to your uh, to your other two baths as a separate bath. But I think right now you need to clear the deck, so to speak, and cleanse yourself. Uh, cleanse the house with Chinese wash. Cleanse yourself with um, some clarity and some road opener. And be prepared to move on to the next stage of your life. I, I know this sounds a bit... Um, cold and and I've been accused of being a very dry root work prescriber because sometimes I just see this isn't going to produce the result you wanted. It will produce the result you wanted, but it won't be the result you really secretly wanted. I think does that make sense? I hope it does. Um and in the, in the I chat you, the the person explained that they didn't want him back. Oh they don't want the person back. You just okay. want to do revenge? Okay. Um, thank you. Well, if you don't want him back, you just want revenge, then you have to ask, does God tell you that this is a good thing to do? The tower says they will break up. That's for sure. But I'm also feeling that you, having done this, are now going to be under some indictment yourself and be, you know, it, you know, you, you have to sort of stand before God's judgment and we don't just do things for um, revenge. So I would um, do some clarity work, think about your own life, and think about um, a road opener for you, and walk forward into your own future. Um, let it be. They will break up. I think that's kind of... Um, yeah, and Papa Newt says, remember, so many swords, they are double-edged. And I think that Conjurman says something like that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, our Patty now says, I want to save the girl. He is not a good person. Well, mm-hmm. um, he is the use and throw kind of guy. Then you've created the wrong spell. The spell you created was to break them up. The spell you should have created was to kill him and save her. 
what you've done is sort of meddled into something and created a, a, a very difficult situation. Um, I don't think that breaking people up should be undertaken unless that's actually what you want. If you want to save her, then you don't break them up. You want her to have strength and courage. You want her to have protection. You want her to have friends around her. Don't just leave her by the side of the road, you know what I mean, in a in a ditch. So um, I think you need to rethink that spell or maybe remake it in a different way because you didn't even explain it to us. So you need to kind of focus your head. Spells do exactly what you tell them to. And if you want him to have his you know, penis get infected and drop off and, and he die of a heart attack and, and, you know, be shot by the cops while he's, you know, running drugs or whatever the hell it is you want. Let that, do that spell to him. But if she really is innocent, you want safety, protection, and love for her. Breaking them up is not essential to that, just getting her away from him. So that's my thought. Uh, does anyone else have anything to add? Yeah, I do want to mention here that the reading here indicates that there's some element of, of this bleeding over into your, like the harm that it brings to you, both the Knight of Swords. And it's this, after hearing what Ms. Catcher said, this really does speak to the Knight of Swords. You've kind of rushed into this and may not have done the exact right working here. That's, that's something that the Knight of Swords really represents. Uh, I think your intention is slightly different from just the full-on breakup work here. That's not to say that it's bad, but you just want to be mindful. The, the introduction of, like, if you're trying to save this person, getting them to fight in a horrible fashion may not necessarily be the right approach. So, like, separation work might be even better. Um, but there are there are other things to be mindful of about, for example, will this bring chaos into your life? So really, hyssop baths. Hyssop baths for yourself to make sure that none of this comes back into your world, in your life, that it, it inadvertently in your desire to save your friend or save this person, you don't end up losing a friend. You don't end up fighting with this friend as well who blows up breaks up with this other person, but then goes, I don't want any of my friends in my life. So in order to avoid that type of blow up, especially with that tower, I would recommend a hyssop bath for you. Mm-hmm. Hyssop, even better than clarity. And that's a, you're, you're absolutely right. This is, this is taking a turn south. You know what I'm saying? A hyssop bath, Psalms 91, ask for forgiveness of whatever you've done that may be wrong. Because you're, you're too involved in this. And the Knight of Swords says to me that you didn't think this thing through. And a breakup spell can actually lead to people punching each other in the face or worse. So you, you, you've got to have a, a step back moment, I think. And, um, and I would, uh, you know, you rushed into it um, uh, uninformed, I guess you could say. And, um, or, uh, you know, with good intentions, but it's a, you made a, a, a foolish choice. Back away, clear out, and um, do a spell for her safety. All right. And now we have our network identification. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance 
whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Rook Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurement, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Boyce, Tuesdays, 4 to 5. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield, in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix LaFay, in syndication, Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. Take it away, Papa Newt. Thank you, Reverend James. All right, this is a little uh, uh, fire protection uh, little bag to have within your home with the influence of St. Florian. Um, and there is some interesting herbs in this combination because last night I went down a deep uh, dive into looking at firescaping, which is plants against uh, to protect your property, you know, and it was very interesting. So I have a few things listed here that was on this list that, you know, when we work with these plants and they're known for helping and at least minimizing if there is a little bit of a fire outside your home to bring those aspects because some of them might be a lot more water to them to help to try to minimize the fire. So, But what we'll need is, of course, a red bag, uh, althea roots, uh, also nettle. Uh, there's this lore of nettle being thrown on fire to put it out. Almost Gilead, I'm, I'm bringing that in because it is one of those things that has been used with uh, burns, bringing in that soothingness just to keep things mellow within the home when we're working with fire, a master of the woods just for that empowerment. But that's also one uh, that was also on this list when I went down uh, the sweet woodruff as as a, a plant to uh, when you're firescaping your uh, property or landscaping was an interesting one, as well as hops, Angelica, the influence of, of the angels, like Archangel Michael, uh, nine at least nine grains of paradise, which is protection, and holly is protection of the home. Now, three uh, white four-inch candles or electronic candles, uh, or one white, uh, uh, there, sorry, one red four-inch candle or one red electric candle, if you can get that, and then it's just St. Florian protection oil or even uh, Archangel Michael oil. On a square of paper, like a little square of paper, I do want you to write the Seder square on one side. Uh, that is just lining up the words perfectly one under the other, just making this perfect square uh, with each word. And I think I provided that. It's not if you can put that in the chat um, on, on there. It is also known that the Seder square is not only known for protection, but it's also been used in fire protection. Uh, there is some uh, back, gosh, 1700s where some fire brigades would have like this on certain like uh, wooden discs or silver discs to cast in fire and such. But on the back, Psalms, 90, uh, Psalms 149 is something I want you to write on the back. And this is another psalm that is said to help with fire accidents and such. This, I do want you to then anoint the four corners of this paper with your oil of choice, place it into the, the paper, into the bag, 
with with the items above of each herb. And this is something to spend the time focusing on the nature of these herbs and plants and talking to them, of course, bringing them forth. There are some of those like hops that are uh, one of those things that said, hey, it's helpful in fire escaping to help with fires. Um, you know, conjure forth that aspect of that of that herb into this. But you want to put this into a bag, lay down a plate in front of a prayer card of St. Florian, put the bag in the center of the plate, and put a glass bowl on top. Around this, in a triangle, you want to put the white candles and then the red candle on top. doesn't matter if it is actual candles or or the light of the LED candles. It is the idea of all these flames are around, surrounding this, but it's not getting to this bag. It is to depict what you are doing to bring protection upon this home. While there might be fire here, it won't spread. It won't go anywhere. And while you're doing this, call upon the influence of Saint uh, Saint Florian. Uh, patron saint of firefighters to lay his hand upon this work to empower the items within this bag to protect your home from destructive forces of fire. And you can say, like, oh, gracious St. Florian's uh, patron saint of firefighters, we humbly ask you uh, for your intercession to protect our homes and families from the destruction force of fire. May you guard us against this danger and through your great power help those who bravely risk their lives and performance uh, of their duty in time of need, may they be respectful and honorable, uh, obedient to your guidance, and thus fortify by virtue. Grant us the grace and to pre uh, prepare for your own summons to the by tribunal of justice, that that we may remain steadfast in our faith and never be separated from your mercy. We ask this through your intercession, Saint Florian. Pray for us. Amen. And then you can take this bag and place it within above the main door of your home or within the hearth of your home. And you can anoint and feed this bag periodically with the oil of your choice, be it the protection or Archangel Michael oil. That's what I have. Oh, wow. That brings back a memory from the past, which you and I and Contraman may have shared um, we may have talked about this prayer to St. Florian before, and I may have mentioned before that St. Florian Hilf is the German, St. Florian Help, and that there is a, um, a, a song about this by a guy named Ulrich Berner. Funny that his name is Berner. Um, <laughs> but it means someone from Bern, Switzerland, not Berner. Um, and uh, yeah, I know, funny. And um, the the URL for the picture is very very long, but I put it through, and it should get you to it. It's at the at archive.org, and you'll see there's a 78 RPM record on the Telefunken uh, label, and it's it's a song called Saint Florian Hilf. Just had to mention that. This is very, very cool. I love I love the idea that you can do spiritual work to protect from the, some of the consequences of doing spiritual work. <laughs> the dangers of fire. I love this particular working. And your work with saints is just second to none. Well, so I, mean, I, I did a variation. No, go ahead. I just have to ask, do you remember this re this song being mentioned by us before on an old radio show? Yes, I'm I'm looking <laughs> at the picture now, and I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, been there, done that. San Florian hat geholfen. 
I mean, Singaporean <laughs> has helped. Beautiful. Okay, do you have any final words, uh, Papa Newt? Oh, no, this is everything. You, uh, this has been a wonderful show. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, we're going to go to our final announcements um, with Reverend James, and then we'll all come back and uh, say goodbye each in our own in several days. So take it away, Papa, <laughs> Papa Reverend James. Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Man, and thank you, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when, from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, we will have Mama E of ConjureDoctor.com in Los Angeles, California, bringing us the topic of Autumn, a Time of Change. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Good night, and thank you, Reverend James, for being part of our panel today. That was uh, fun and unusual, and I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah. So, folks, um, Conjurman and I did not discuss politics today, and I don't <laughs> think we're going to. So we're just going to say we hope everybody is safe and that uh, that peace breaks out all over. Let's just pray for okay. peace. And um, there's not much. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, things are rough out there, so take good care of yourself. Take good care of the ones you love. Don't follow leaders. Watch your parking meters, right? Mm. Don't fall for the authoritarian male leaders who want to um, bind people to them into wars and politics. Just take it easy. Think about what's best for you and your family. Make friends with everyone you can. Right, Conjurman? That is really, really fantastic advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good night, all. Good night, everyone. Good night. Peace out.